This morning we are going to walk into, in some ways, the raging rivers as we consider this passage that's next in the Gospel of Mark, uh, just following along where Scripture leads us, uh, we find the topic of today one that is one that is surrounded by very turbulent waters. We're going to be looking at the idea of divorce and marriage and recognizing that given the statistics about marriage and divorce, it affects many of us. Some that have gone through it. Some that have family members that have or are considering it. Friends or co-workers that have been through it. I would dare say that there's not one of us here that doesn't know somebody whether it's yourself or somebody you know, all of us, I think, know somebody personally where divorce has affected them. And I don't come into this topic lightly. I recognize that this brings up all kinds of questions for us. And when we're looking at the idea of whether or not divorce is lawful, as it comes up in in our text today, I don't want you to answer that question yet in your mind. I know you have an opinion about it. I know maybe you have a very firm conviction about it, but I want you to set aside what you think about it. And let's listen again to what Scripture says about it. reading today from the first 12 verses of Mark chapter 10. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him asked, Is it lawful? for a man to divorce his wife. He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. May God's Spirit give us wisdom as we consider these words today. 
I'm sure many of you have heard over the course of the last several decades uh, that the commonly understood divorce rate in the United States is around 50%, give or take. Half of the marriages. I want to read you some, some statistics that I pulled up. There are many places where you can find different uh, statistics about divorce. And I'm not saying this one is 100% accurate. Everybody has a place where they're coming from, uh, the numbers that are based on this or that. But um, I wanted to read a few things for you here about that. Uh, and even though uh, some of the research would show that divorce is declining, praise God, the, the acceptance of divorce is on the rise. And so while we may seem to be gaining ground in one area, we're losing ground in another. And some of the reason really for some of the decline in divorce is because people aren't getting married anymore. They're just living together. And so we don't have official marriages that people enter into and break up from. And so that contributes to that. But listen to some of these statistics. There are nearly 2,400 divorces every single day in the United States. 2,400. Eight years is the average length of a first marriage that ends with a divorce. Around 75% of people who obtain a divorce will at some point get remarried. This was something interesting for our day too. The uh, social media divorce statistics, that's the world we live in. Uh, online affairs contribute to one-third of the divorces. Social media activity of a, of a person's partner has caused at least one in seven married people to contemplate divorce because of what activity they see their spouse engaging in. There's, there's something called gray divorce statistics that would include me, and they mean the grayness of our hair, a term used for those getting divorced between the ages of 54 and 64, has increased fourfold in the last three decades. Nearly 20 years ago, only 45% of older Americans thought divorce was morally sound. That had ridden to just short of 75 or 70% in 2014. Celebrity divorces. It cost uh, Mel Gibson a mere $245 million in a settlement against his uh, ex-wife Robin in 2009. Zsa Zsa Gabor, many of you remember her, chalked up nine marriages. Britney Spears has the record for the shortest divorce, at least at the time of this. Uh, a mere 56 hours. Eddie Murphy and his wife Tracy Edmonds managed two whole weeks of wedded bliss. Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys lasted 72 days. Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley kept it together for nine whole months. At the end of this uh, 
page that I was reading, gathering, getting all this information that had been gathered at the bottom of the page. It says, do you need a divorce lawyer? Call this number. In the midst of all of that, recognizing how marriages keep falling apart around us, if you need help with your divorce, give us a call. It's almost as bad as the advertisements now for uh, online gambling and at the bottom. But if you have a gambling problem, this is the world in which we live and these are some of the turbulent waters that we are going to wade into today. The first thing we're going to consider when we look at that is why, why the question? Why, why does this question even come up? What's the motivation behind the Pharisees asking the question, is divorce even lawful? Can a, can a man divorce his wife? Our text tells us once again that the mindset of the, the Pharisees asking the question is order to trip him up. They're not seeking truth. They want to trip Jesus up by the answer he'll give. This is not a test they hope he passes. It's a test that they hope he fails. Are they going to be able to get Jesus to disagree with their understanding of it? In fact, uh, Mark doesn't give us uh, all of the full wording of that. It's implied in the, in the way that it's asked here. But Matthew gives us uh, a fuller a fuller understanding of what's behind the, the question. And the Pharisees came up from Matthew's account in Matthew 19.3. Pharisees came up to test him and asked him, is it lawful for, to divorce one's wife for any cause? Can we just get divorced based on any reason? See, they wanted the answer to that so that they could charge Jesus with going against their understanding of Scripture. And they're just, they're just stirring up trouble. That's it. The only reason they're, they're asking Jesus is to put Him in hot water somehow. Possibly it's politically motivated. Uh, John the Baptist lost his head and life obviously, because of his idea about marriage and divorce. And maybe in the region that they're in now, maybe if they can get Jesus to agree with something different than their own belief, maybe that will cause uh, enough pressure on Jesus from, from Herod himself. Maybe they'll stir up enough trouble that, that Jesus will get into hot water over there too. Because Herod had taken his brother's wife as his own wife and John had said, that's not lawful, that's not right. That goes against the will of God. And so John was beheaded. And so Jesus is in this place where people aren't seeking the answer. People are not coming to Jesus to say, could you explain to us what Scripture says about... That's not the approach they're taking. 
They're coming to Jesus in order to make him fail. They need something so that they can keep going against him. Give him another reason to, to bring him to trial and to have him killed. This is, this is their plot all along. This is another way that they're hoping to do that. Can we get him to disagree with what we all know to be the teaching on divorce? They're not seeking truth. Unfortunately, there are lots of times where we today come to a scripture passage not to find the truth of it, but to see if it will agree with us. And we're good at finding those passages that we can make agree with us. The Pharisees were in this place of trying to manipulate Jesus trying to get him to go against what they believe the word to say. It has been going on there in, in Jesus' day as it had been for over a thousand years or more. A couple thousand years. This whole idea of people not staying committed to one another, not staying true to the covenant vows that they make, it just continues to go on and on. And so when they bring up the question, they're not seeking the truth. This is meant to be something that will cause Jesus to get into trouble. That's why they ask the question. So what's been the practice uh, all along with this? In our text today, um, verse 4 says, uh, when Jesus asked, about all of this, Jesus asked the question back. What, what, what did it say? Mark 10, verse 4 says, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. They know this to be what Scripture says. The, the common understanding, according to the way they read the Word, is that Moses allowed it. And so people would continue to engage in divorce because it was, it was allowed. Even the words they choose are, 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 is somewhat telling. Moses allowed it. That should raise a red flag for us when it comes to how we understand marriage. Divorce was allowed. It was not prescribed. It wasn't the mandate in this case or that case. It was allowed. And so they had this understanding that Scripture says it's okay. When, when Matthew records that and gives that ending, can, he, can someone divorce his wife for any reason, for any cause? It doesn't matter what. Is there a way to do it for anything? The reason they would even ask that is because that's the practice right now. That's what they believe to be the governing rule based on Scripture about whether or not divorce is okay. But they would take that from um, the Mishnah. The Mishnah is a collection of uh, rabbis' teachings about how they interpret the Word of God. Is it lawful to divorce a 
uh, for your wife for any and every reason. That was the controversy in Jesus' day. Any, any reason whatsoever. From the Mishnah, uh, these words are given to us. The school of Shammai says, A man may not divorce his wife unless he has found unchastity in her. If she's not faithful. Because it is written, because he has found in her indecency in anything. That's what they believe. And the school of Hillel says he may divorce her even if she spoiled a dish for him. Your potato salad tonight, honey, is awful. That's how bad it got. Because he had found indecency in her in anything. Somewhere else it says, even if he found another fairer than her, it's okay, for it's written. And it shall be if he finds no favor in his eyes. If, if she's not pleasing to him anymore, good enough. This was the rule of the day. This is what was being practiced right now. If your supper's not good, if her makeup is awful, if she's been unfaithful, any one of those was grounds for divorce and permitted and carried through. The interesting thing about that, and even those things uh, that were found in the Mishnah, which were interpretations of Scripture from the rabbis of uh, before Jesus' day all the way up into the 2nd or 3rd century, uh, they're basing that on Scripture in what it says in Deuteronomy 24, 1-4. Listen to these words. This is Moses giving the law to the people. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, that's, that's what they're basing all of those things. If she doesn't look good today, if she doesn't cook good today, if she's been unfaithful, doesn't matter. There's something about her that's not decent anymore. And he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she departs out of his house. And if she goes and becomes another man's wife and the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hands and sends her out of his house or if the latter man dies who took, his, took her to be his wife, then the former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she's been defiled because that is an abomination before the Lord. And you shall not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Right there at the beginning, if, he, if she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, That's what they're basing it all on. You know, that passage, and you can write that down and go back and look at it again, Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. It's not, it's not the prescription for divorce. 
This is what happens when there's a divorce. When a man takes his wife and marries her and he finds no favor in her eyes and he writes her, and if she goes and finds another man, the passages here is talking about what happens when divorce comes. But the people's hearts had become so hard, even in Moses' day, that God put a hedge of of protection around the divorce proceedings. Their hearts were so hard, and it was just happening all the time, and God said, it can only go this far. And they saw that as a permission to get divorced. What Jesus does, I think, is interesting. Jesus, when he's being asked the question, trying to be tripped up by the the Pharisees, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for anything, really? Notice what Jesus tells them to do. Go back to the beginning, he says. Go back to the beginning... And let's answer this from the right perspective. He says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. As they're considering divorce, Jesus changes their their perspective. I, I want you to look from this direction. Go back to the dawn of creation when God created man and woman, and placed them in the garden, and he ordained the first human relationship, marriage. And when you, when you consider what he did there, and the picture that is being uh, placed before us, the rest of all this makes sense. When we were looking at those first chapters of Genesis a while back, we were, we were looking at that whole creation of count when Adam was made and, and all the animals were passed in front of Adam, and and he recognized, I don't have a mate. I see a male and female deer, male and female lion, male and female elephant. I see all these things. Where's my counterpart? And so God causes Adam to go into a deep sleep, and he took the side of the man. We, We looked at that when we were going through that passage there. We understand it to be the rib, but it's much more significant than that. And I think if we would understand it the way uh, I think it's meant to be understood, it would make more sense for our marriages too. And what's happening when we contemplate divorce? He took the side of the man. Don't just figure taking a rib out. You know, people people still think that um, men have one less ribs than women because they took a rib out and gave it, so she obviously has more. He took the half of the man, basically. That's the way I think we should understood that. He took the half of the man and created a woman, and then he put them together. And he said, there, now, they're one. See, because what was there was just one person. And I took that one person and took half of them and made another one and brought them to bed together, and now they're one again. That's what Jesus is getting at here. You're asking about divorce. I want to talk to you about marriage.
going on in there. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. That idea of hold fast is like being glued together. I know Henry's done some woodworking. Others here have done some woodworking as well. When you put some really strong adhesive glue between two pieces of board, they're stuck. You're likely to rip the board apart before you break the glue bond in some of those circumstances. That's the idea here of holding fast to your wife. You are glued together in such a way that there's really no possible way to separate the two of them. Not without causing significant damage. The two shall become one flesh. They're not two anymore. They're one, Jesus says. And so what God put together, the idea of a man and a wife coming together, there's so much in in just those verses that Jesus quotes there. He made them male and female. Everything that Jesus is is giving here are the reasons or the, the parameters around a godly marriage. He took a man and a woman and put them together. He created uh, one man, took half of them, created a woman, and put the two of them together. Now they're one. And so in a marriage, you have that same thing. You are no longer two people. You're one. And if God has instituted uh, that relationship, no one is meant to break that apart. This is a God-ordained covenant relationship. That's the problem, though. We understand that, and we have always understood that, to be uh, what divorce is. It is a covenant relationship. And if you look at that idea of covenant, uh, going on in those chapters of Genesis, when God makes his covenant with Abram, and they take uh, the animals and they cut them in half and they lay them out. And if you break the covenant, that's what it would be like. You've totally destroyed the one. And walking through all that blood and mess and everything, the covenant oath was, if I break the covenant, may this be what happens. And that's exactly what happens in divorce, brothers and sisters. Something is terribly broken. So did you catch what Jesus did? When they asked about divorce... He said, let me tell you about marriage. They wanted to figure out how to deal with what they have now, but they hadn't given enough consideration to what did it really say though? How should we approach our marriage? The question shouldn't be, is divorce legal? Is, is divorce for any reason okay? The question should be, how do I get back to the beginning to honor God in my relationship so that I'm true to what it really says in the Word? Not falling into this place of being of a hard heart and saying, well, it's just not working. Or this is the circumstance. And brothers and sisters, I, I'm... I'm here to tell you today what Jesus is saying today about marriage more so than divorce. 
Scripture goes on to teach about marriage and divorce. This is not the final word. Let me say that a different way. This is the final word that Jesus has to say about whether or not you can divorce someone for any and every reason. Jesus wants every one of us to understand that's not the starting place to consider. If you're in that place, if you've been in that place, if you're facing that place or somebody else is facing that place, the place to start is not what do we do about getting divorced. The place to start is to go back to the beginning and say, what can I do to redeem my marriage? If you're in that place, Let me start this way. If you've been there, I know I'm talking to people here in this room that divorce is part of the legacy of their life. Maybe not even only in their own marriage, but in their family tree as well. I realize that. I have been considering all week how to address a people that I know, I'm speaking to everyone here because it affects everyone, but I know there are people here and people that are listening and people that will watch this later that they have been through that. In every case, and I, I don't say this as a condemnation, it is the reality as Jesus brings up here. In every case, there was some hard heart. Somebody had fallen away from the idea of what uh, a united couple in marriage is meant to be. You you can't get to the point where you want to uh, divide one thing into two without there being something that went wrong already. Jesus mentions to the Pharisees as they're asking that, and they're asking about what did, what did Moses say? And they give them the reason. And Jesus said, you know, he did that because your hearts were hard. And again, I'm not, I'm not here to point the finger or condemn. Talk about giving your testimony. The idea of divorce has been in my mind in my lifetime. I know what it's like to struggle with should you stay in a marriage or not? You know what helped me? You know the reason I'm standing before you today? Is because somebody brought the Word of God about marriage and my commitment to my wife back in front of me. This is what marriage for the Christian couple is. And this is the covenant that you made. And I had to wrestle with that. And because of that, 
is still married today. And because of that, I recognize the power of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, and not the way that you would twist it to make it fit your needs, but the way that it intersects with our lives. And you can say, I believe it or I don't. And when I saw the transforming work of the Word and the Spirit in my life, God lit a spark in me and said, you need to tell people how important the Word is. It was through all of that that led me to be here. Because the the truth of God's Word, not the twisting of it or, or making it palatable or anything like that, not what the people somewhere else said about it, because that's what was going on in Jesus' day. All the rabbis before and shortly after Jesus were all saying, well, Scripture said this, so this is how we take that to mean. You know what Jesus is doing here? Jesus is correcting their understanding of Scripture. Jesus, once again, stands as the authority over God's Word. You have heard it said, a man may divorce his wife, and I'm here to tell you, Jesus said, that's not where you start. You start with the ordination of the relationship your commitment to following that, your covenant promise to your spouse. And when that goes wrong, and it does very often, and I'm sure if I questioned everybody here that's been married, you would all say there have been problems in my marriage too. And we need to come back to this place where we say, but marriage in God's eyes is, and make a decision. Now, There are still those here in your family line, watching online, that have been divorced. And what I want you to understand is there's not one thing in this life that Jesus can't redeem. In our reading through Scripture, we're reading through uh, David and Solomon. And David, David, David broke God's commands in the worst ways. Adultery, that we're talking about, and murder. David, a man after God's own heart. When David recognized his sin, he fell down on his face and he pleaded for forgiveness and God redeemed that and still used David as the one through whom the true one eternal king would come. And God redeemed even David's great failings. And if you've been through that, redemption is always available. That's good news, brothers and sisters. But for those people that are in a place where they're not sure anymore, or maybe when you get to that place, because obviously as we were looking at the statistics, people even later in life, it was always the milestone when you had 30, 40 years of marriage under your belt, 
But now people are leaving each other at that point. There's something about our way of thinking about marriage and divorce that has crept into those long-standing relationships. So even if you're not one that has had that already happen, or if that's not even a thing that you would be thinking about today, it may be something in your future when life is difficult for whatever reason. And that idea comes to your mind again or for the first time. Remember what Jesus said from the beginning. This is the way God intended it. This was his best plan for humanity. And anything in any area of life that goes against God's best plan for you is going to cause trouble and hardship and pain and brokenness and separation and turmoil. And those that have been through a divorce know that to be true. The lesson here is remember what God's Word said about it. Not what other people are telling you. Not what some of the leading authorities of your day think about marriage or divorce. Go back again to what God said. He's the one that will stand before someday. It's not so-and-so over here or this rabbi over there. It's going to be God. And you want to be able to stand before Him and say, I was in that place and I considered it and I turned back to you. And for those that have been through it, you can stand before your God and say, I fell or I became the product of a fallen, broken relationship and I stand before you now saying I want to bring redemption into my circumstance. I want to know the redeeming power of God even in brokenness because it's really all he has to work with in this world are broken people on every level. Whether it's your marriage or the way you, the way you speak about things, the way you do things, the way you uh, treat others, the way you... It doesn't matter. All of those would come back under uh, the lordship of Christ and what has been revealed clearly in His Word. I know some of you may still have questions. And I'm not here to answer every question here and now. There's so many different variants on what may have happened in your life or your child's life or your parent's life. Or What I want us to do is to be able to find that starting place of how do I approach the idea of divorce, past, present, or future? And if you have questions yet, and I would imagine uh, there are those that still wonder, if you have questions, talk to me. Seek godly counsel about what to do, how to bring redemption to that relationship. How do you find uh, peace and forgiveness uh, decades after it may have happened? How do you live in that place and know that God still smiles on you and there is redemption available?
Jesus did a wonderful thing here. Took the question of the day and said, start here instead. Don't start with the brokenness. Go back to the way it was ordained. Don't start with your circumstance now. Go back and look at what the Word of God said for you in your circumstance, whatever it may be. And this, this would apply to things beyond marriage and divorce. What Jesus is doing is saying, I have the authority over Scripture. And if you've understood it that way, I want to make sure you understand the correct way. When the disciples came to ask him, about this later in a private setting. You know what Jesus did there? He reiterated what would happen as Moses had said. If you divorce and you marry somebody else, you're just causing uh, another layer of transgression. And what he also did was put men and equal as women and men and women as equal. Um... He redeems all kinds of things. Uh, he put men and women on the same level. In Jesus' day, it was a male-dominated society, no question. But in Jesus, and you'll see that in the apostles as well, they elevate the position of women as equal standing before God. But what that means here too is that it's not just the man who divorces his wife for any reason and he's the culprit. This applies to women too. See, in their day, women didn't have the rights to do that. It's kind of strange. Jesus brings equality, but also in the way we view how we might approach sin. But what Jesus said to his disciples in, in person, in private, I think is meant to let us see that don't let divorce get to that place. When you're going to be teaching, and that's what they're going to do, they're going to take up the work of Jesus and continue teaching on the same subjects that Jesus brought out. When you're doing that, make sure they understand the beginning and don't let them get to this place of sinful consequence either. You and I have opportunity to give testimony to God's goodness and faithfulness. Every one of us. If you have been married for 50, 60, 70, what's, who's, who's, uh, I won't put you on the spot. There are some that, that are, what, approaching 60 years at least? 70? Anybody at 70 yet? Over 60 years of marriage. And you have testimony of God's faithfulness to you, not only your faithfulness to each other, but God's faithfulness to keep you glued together for six generations. Praise God. And for those that have had that ugly word in their past, you can give testimony as well to God's redeeming grace, His abundant forgiveness, His constant love and faithfulness, 
because some of you were the victims of it. And God has shown himself to be faithful to you. I hope that's your testimony. And maybe for the one that instigated it, God's forgiveness and redemption is there as well. And I hope that your testimony is one of redemption and forgiveness and grace and mercy and abundance. God's word continues to prove true. And I hope that today we're able to uh, land on that solid rock that we sung about, that we can stand once again on the firm foundation of God's word, which includes uh, his perfect will and redemption when we break it. Amen? Let's pray. Our gracious Father. We recognize that uh, there are those passages in Scripture that will pierce us. There are those places in Scripture that will challenge our way of thinking. Today was one of those places in Scripture where it intersects many of us. And we live in a world yet that is still terribly broken in our marriages. And the devil's playing ground is there in the family situation. And if he can wreak havoc once again, he seems to have an upper hand. But we trust that uh, your redeeming work has not stopped. And that the blood of Jesus that we've celebrated recently covers over every sin and redeems every life that calls out to you. So Father, help us as we process these words, as we live in response to that. And may it again cause us to give a testimony of a great God a sustaining, redeeming, forgiving, gracious, loving, faithful God to us that the world may know that they have hope as well. Walk with us as we walk uh, in light of this passage and be gracious to us. In Jesus' name, amen.